0: Well, good morning. My name's Andy. I'm part of the team here. Thank you so much for joining with us. We have just begun our sermon series on Mark, and this week we're just looking at two verses. Chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. They are really important for understanding the Gospel of Mark, but they're also really important for those of us who want to faithfully follow Jesus as His apprentices or disciples. They are the first words. We're going to hear the first words that Jesus speaks in the Gospel, so we want to pay close attention to that. And they are an announcement about the kingdom of God, that it is now here and available in and through him, through Jesus. And the kingdom of God is a huge theme throughout all of the scriptures, and it's an important theme in Mark's gospel. He will bring it up 14 different times directly, and then he'll allude to it at other times. And by placing it right here, right at the start, Mark wants us to see that this announcement of the Kingdom is so important. It is like a summation of Jesus and what He came to do and what He came to bring with Him. Robert Stein says this, Mark wants his readers to see Jesus' announcement of the Kingdom's coming and the necessity of repentance and faith as the heart of Jesus' preaching. So, it's important for us to wrestle with it for these reasons, but also because the Kingdom of God is a hugely important idea uh, and theme for our Vineyard family of churches. It impacts everything we do, from our values and our priorities, to how we do church, to why we believe that God heals today, why we believe we should share the gospel message about Jesus and invite men and women and children to follow Jesus. It's influences why we serve the poor, why we believe we can actually know Jesus and experience his transformation. It impacts how and why we worship, how we think a disciple follows Jesus and lives in this world, and a whole lot more. So it's pretty important. So we're going to look at these verses together, and then we're just going to spend a little bit of time answering why we should even care about this, given what we face in the world today. So let's talk about Uh, how it begins, how it begins. Last week, Alan spoke from chapter 1 verses 9 to 13 about Jesus' baptism. And his time in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. And you can pick that up on the podcast or our YouTube channel uh, and watch that back. If you missed it, it would be very much worth your time. Alan did a great job. And he talked about how Mark is really clear that Jesus wasn't tricked into the wilderness. He didn't stumble into the wilderness and find Satan there. He was sent into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit himself. And you see that in Mark chapter 1 verse 12, the Spirit sent or threw him out uh, into the wilderness. And as Alan told us, he sent him into the wilderness for a fight, for a confrontation with Satan and it didn't turn out to be a draw. It turned out to be a victory for Jesus, and in our verses, we see Jesus emerge victorious from the wilderness. He enters into Galilee, full of the Spirit of God, and he immediately begins his mission. You see this in Mark chapter 1, verse 14. After John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. So, it begins with after John was being put into prison. This is John the Baptist, and his preaching and baptizing in the wilderness as the forerunner to Jesus, his critique of the religious elite and Herod the king, it's gotten him into trouble. It's gotten him thrown into prison where he will die. And here Mark is doing two important things in his characteristic brevity. Uh, he is telling us that the time of preparation has now come to an end and now is the time for what God has promised. You know, he's, So he's telling us the work of the forerunner Uh, is over and now it is time for the ministry of Jesus to begin. And Mark is also, in a really intricate and sophisticated way, foreshadowing something. He's calling our attention to something. He wants us to see something as we read this gospel. The The verb in Greek, Um, that many of your versions that you're reading right now in English translate put into prison. So after John was put into prison, the verb is actually paradidomai, and it literally means to hand over or betray. So John was handed over uh, to his enemies and betrayed, and then will end up being martyred. And Mark repeats the exact same verb ten more times all throughout his gospel to talk about what will happen to Jesus. So he introduces it here with John. And it occurs 10 more times uh, with Jesus. And you see it's starting in Mark 3, 19, talking about his disciples and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him or handed him over. And it goes all the way to Mark chapter 15, verse 1. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Mark is telling us by the repetition of this verb that Jesus will be handed over just like John. John's the forerunner who goes tr- who truly goes before. Jesus. He's not like just announcing something on a tannoy or something like that. He is the forerunner and shows us what to expect in Jesus. John ministers to Israel. He gets into conflict with religious authorities and then he's unjustly put to death. And Jesus does the same. And Jesus will predict it using this exact same verb many times in Mark's gospel. But he emerges victorious in his resurrection. Jesus' death was not a meaningless or senseless death in some forgotten prison. When Jesus is handed over and put to death, sin, death, and the devil are decisively defeated and opens the way for us to live in God's kingdom, free and forgiven and cleansed. And John the forerunner and the rest of the Gospel of Mark is wanting is, is pointing us to think about this life, death, and resurrection of Jesus as victory that He was handed over, but it's designed to get us thinking about this and actually designed to help us respond to who Jesus is. And as you study the Bible, as you study Mark, remember that these Gospels are designed to be read over and over and over again. And we can allow Mark's intricate and intentional repetition of words, phrases, and concepts to lead us deeper. And we can allow the Spirit of God to speak to us as we encounter him in these carefully constructed intentional works, pointing us to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and getting us to respond to that. Uh, we mentioned as well in the introduction to, Mark's, uh, to Mark a couple of weeks ago that Mark's original audience that he had been writing to were Roman Christians undergoing intense persecution. And just think for a moment about how comforting it would have been as their friends and and family and even themselves were being handed over to the authorities. Think of how comforting it would have been that John and then the Lord Jesus Himself were themselves handed over. It would have given the disciples courage to follow their Lord as He, as He walked and triumphed on the very road of suffering that they would have been walking on powerful. It's emotional. Uh, But verse 14 ends by telling us that Jesus comes preaching and announcing the good news of God or the good news from God. Jesus' ministry begins with an euangelion like we talked about in the early sermons or a gospel, uh, a royal proclamation, an announcement that we must reckon with and contend with. Again, an announcement not advice that we can take or leave. And then verse 15 is going to tell us what this good news from God is all about. And it begins with, now is the time. That's Jesus' first words in the gospel of Mark that we see in verse 15. The time has come, or now has the time, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. There are two different words for time in biblical Greek, and here in verse 15 the word uh, Mark uses is kairos, which doesn't mean like chronological time, it means like a definitive moment, like the crucial time. James Edwards says it this way, the announcement of the kingdom at Jesus' debut in Galilee is presented by Mark as the definitive moment in history. Everything that God promised, that He would dwell with His people, that He would deal with sin and opposition and oppression and justice, that He would bring healing to the world. All that the world was waiting for is here, right now, in this time, in Jesus. And Mark, or Mark has, shows us that Jesus says the kingdom of God has come near, or is at hand, or it's within your grasp right now. And like, what did he mean by that? What did he mean by the kingdom of God? And when we hear the word kingdom, we usually think of like geography, uh, a realm, like an actual place with borders and lines on a map. And sometimes the biblical words for kingdom are used that way, but most often they mean more like a reign or the activity of ruling and reigning. And we'll see this in kind of Exodus 15 verse 18. The Lord reigns forever and ever. It refers to the reign and rule of, of God or a king or a queen. It means like authority and the rule or dynamic reign of a king. So what is Jesus announcing here? Well, the rule and reign of God is breaking into the world in a new and definitive way in and through him, Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. That's what he's announcing. And the scriptures tell us that since Adam's fall, the enemy, Satan, our great enemy, has had dominion on the earth. There are two kingdoms in conflict since the fall of man, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, or the kingdom of the enemy. The Bible also talks about ages, this age and the age to come, and this age is in conflict. The kingdom of God is in conflict with the kingdom of darkness in this age, but in the age to come, that conflict will be Over God's rule and reign will be made manifest in a new way and the prophets talked about it and they said the age to come, it's coming and it was the hope of Israel that God would send his Messiah who would come and redeem his people, that God again would dwell with his people, that he would defeat their enemies, that they could then live under his reign and rule of goodness and mercy and fidelity. They would be saved from the kingdom of the enemy, the rule of the world, and the brutal powers and principalities that animated their world and our world. And vi- verse 15, Jesus is announcing that now is the time. Time's now. The rule and the reign of God is breaking into the world in a new and definitive way in and through Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. The future age, the age to come, is crashing into and invading this present age. David Garland says it like this, The dominion of God has come near, so near that Mark believes you can touch it in Jesus. The future created by God is no longer a flickering hope light years away. It has become available in the present and that tells us something. It tells us that we now live between the times, between the times. We already said how the time in the wilderness uh, was a clash between Jesus and Satan. And now Jesus emerges from the wilderness with an announcement. And it's actually a declaration of war that now is the time, the kingdom of God is at hand and respond to it. And that means the kingdom of the enemy must retreat. The kingdoms are in real conflict now. And Jesus didn't just say the kingdom was here. He demonstrated that it was near and here and present. And it was like an assault on the on the kingdom of the enemy. And Mark's gospel will show us what happens when the kingdom of God advances Mark's gospel will show us that the kingdom of God is a place of action that pushes back the kingdom of the enemy. He'll show us what happens when God's rule and reign comes in power, that people get healed, they're set free from the bondage of illness and injury, that the the dead can't stay dead anymore when God's kingdom turns up in fullness, that restored relationship with God gets offered to people who are far away from Him and are in prison and bondage to certain things, demons get cast out of people, and people get set free from the kingdom of darkness, good news gets preached to the poor, injustice and hard-heartedness get challenged, and redemption on a cosmic scale happens at the cross. Jesus didn't just talk about the kingdom of God being real and available. He demonstrated that it was real and available and located in and through Him. And he invites his followers and his friends, including you and including me, to do the same in his name, to push back the works of the enemy in his name. But this was only a beginning. The kingdom breaks into history with Jesus as He begins His ministry. Its decisive victory point is the cross where Jesus on the cross defeats sin, death, and the devil, which is then confirmed by His resurrection. And so the kingdom is available, but the kingdom will come in its fullness when Jesus returns. So now we live between the times, between the cross and the consummation. The kingdom has already come. In Jesus, But the kingdom has not yet fully come, but will do when He returns. And that's why we in the church today experience such a tension. We at times see the kingdom breaking in and we see great victory. And at other times we don't and we wait in the tension and the pain and the suffering. Jesus has won a decisive victory, but the victory isn't fully complete until He returns. And the church is battling a defeated enemy, but a real enemy. And final victory doesn't come until Jesus returns. Again, we live between the cross and the consummation. And this affects every minute of your life. If you are a follower of Jesus or even if you're not a follower of Jesus. Because we all live in this great tension of the kingdom being already available and the kingdom being not yet fully here. There's great power and presence from Jesus available to you. But also there is great opposition to the life of fidelity and faithfulness to Jesus and his kingdom. And it will be that way until the enemy is finally subdued upon Jesus' return. We live in a contested space spiritually that overflows into our daily lives. We get to respond to this opportunity. Verse 15 ends with a demand for response. This isn't advice. This is an announcement. It's an announcement of good news that anyone, anyone can respond to by turning to Jesus, the kingdom bringer. And Mark always pushes us to respond to who Jesus is. He he doesn't leave us to even time to think. It's like respond, respond, respond to who Jesus is. And in this case, Jesus himself says, Repent and believe the good news. A response is required. Both verbs, repent and believe, or put your faith in, they are in the present imperative tense in Greek. Uh, an imperative means a command, so these are commands. Do these, it's not like a suggestion. This is Jesus saying, do it and do it now. But it's an ongoing. the present tense means it's ongoing. In other words, it's not just a one-time thing like I repented and believed when I was at Summer Madness 20 years ago or something like that. It's an ongoing, daily, repeated repentance and belief, not a one-time thing. It's a keep on responding to the kingdom message, is what he's saying. Keep building your whole life on the kingdom. Repentance in the Bible means to stop the negative direction that you are heading and turn around, do an about-face, and go the other way completely. A complete change of thinking and practice. And belief or faith, put your faith in. It certainly means put your faith in or believe in Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection. But faith or belief in the Bible goes beyond just believing facts or ideas or constructs. It means living out those beliefs. Like wrapping our whole lives, uh, putting our weight on Uh, our belief in Jesus. It's the difference between if I believe a chair can hold my weight versus actually sitting in the chair. That's the difference in the Bible. The the biblical idea of faith and belief is putting our, our, our mental ascent into practice in our daily lives. That's why Dallas Willard's paraphrase of our verses for today are so compelling to me. All the preliminaries have been taken care of, and the kingdom of God is now accessible to everyone. Review your plans for living and base your life on this remarkable opportunity. I find that so compelling, so interesting. The kingdom announcement of Jesus doesn't just require a mental assent or a vague hope. The right response means to totally reevaluate the direction of our lives and to take up this opportunity to build our whole lives upon Jesus and His kingdom. And his invitation to all who want to live in his kingdom and experience his life, that invitation means to come unto him. We enter the kingdom by putting our faith in Jesus' death for us, that our sin that separates us from God is dealt with, paid for by him. We are now forgiven and made clean. But it also It means we live in the kingdom in light of not just his death, but his resurrection. In other words, we don't just believe things about Jesus. We know him. We follow him. We obey the risen Jesus. We get to live in his presence and his friendship. We can receive his resources for faith and life and transformation right now. And we also get to step out and do the works of Jesus in our day and our time. Well, why does any of this Matter. You might be sitting there thinking, Andy, you get, really, you get really excited about this, but why does any of this matter? When we live in chaotic times, when there's a crisis after crisis locally and globally, why should we care about this? I want to try and answer that really briefly with just my story, with my testimony. Uh, and Jesus' announcement of the gospel of the kingdom changed my life. It's the best and most exciting news I had ever heard. And it still is today, a couple decades later. Uh, I have bet my entire life on Jesus' announcement of the kingdom. Here's a couple of reasons why I think we should pay attention to it. First is, it's available now. It's available now. I learned that I could expect God's kingdom to break in at any time in my life and in the lives of those around me. That I, as Jesus' disciple, could announce the kingdom just like He did. And I could demonstrate it as well because of His power in me and the availability of the kingdom. I learned that I have a purpose and a share in His ministry. And that gave me a reason to get out of bed in the morning. I realized that I, because of this, that I am on mission with Him as He is renewing the whole earth. And as I participate in His kingdom... I get to share in his mission of advancing that kingdom until he comes again. Jesus even gave us, his disciples and friends, the church, his prayer, our family prayer, the Lord's prayer that we pray every week. It's a kingdom prayer. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done. It's this purpose. It's this kingdoms available and pray for it and ask it for it and seek it and risk on it and give your life to it kind of prayer prayer. And this is why the kingdom is available. That's why we in the vineyard, that's why we do the things we do. It's why we pray for the sick and why we leave room uh, to pray into every single situation all the time. It's why we give God the chance to speak and move now. Why we share about Jesus and invite people into the kingdom of God. It's why we spend ourselves on the poor and the vulnerable and why we try and work for justice and righteousness. It's why we pray and come against the work Of the enemy in people's lives and help people find freedom and thousands of other things that we do to see God's kingdom advance. The kingdom of God is a place of action and movement and we in the vineyard have embraced this and so you just see a lot of action and movement and when I first heard the gospel of the kingdom I was used to sitting in church and trying to be nice. And when I heard about the kingdom being available now, the power of God in my life and through my life being available now, that I might be able to do some of the works of Jesus, not just listen to the words of Jesus, I was like, where do I sign up? Like, I have to participate in this. And maybe that's your heart. Maybe the truth is you're bored and you're apathetic. Well, the message of the kingdom matters for you because this life of purpose and availability of the kingdom is for you. Well, I also learned that it has real resources for us, for me, right now. The kingdom has resources right now. to Resources to pursue holiness, to serve, to forgive, to persevere in the midst of grief and suffering, to resources that help us overcome Uh, opposition that we face. We actually get to be changed and transformed by Jesus and to encounter His living presence as we follow Him. We don't just get to believe a couple of things and wait for heaven, but we get to know Him now as we follow Him and obey Him and as we receive from Him. And that's why we in the vineyard expect to have the resources of heaven for our lives right now. It's why in worship we expect to meet with Him and why we expect Him to visit us by His Spirit and do a whole lot of things, but one of the things we expect is He puts us back together when His presence comes, when His people worship Him. We, it's why we in the vineyard expect that He wants to speak to us now through His Word as we pray, but also through prophetic words, as the community gathers and God speaks through the community to the community. It's why we expect to encounter God. We It's why we expect his kingdom to have resources, to give us what we need, to serve people, to love people, to forgive people, to take the next step in our journey, whatever that happens to be. The gospel isn't just believe in Jesus, be forgiven, and hold out for heaven. Jesus' announcement of the kingdom means salvation through faith in him, but also an invitation to live right now under his rule and reign. Live a life of purpose, expectation, hope and be given resources to sustain you through testing and trials and suffering. And why does this matter? Well, I don't know anybody right now who doesn't need the resources of heaven. And I discovered that in my sin and brokenness that the kingdom was full of resources to help me and sustain me daily. And what if all of us who need mercy and grace can find a home in the kingdom and receive its Resources. What better news could I give you than that? Well, thirdly, it explains reality. It explains reality. Um, I just found that the gospel of the kingdom explained life and it explained our current moment. Uh, Why sometimes we see the power of God in miracles and why sometimes we don't. It allowed me to begin to tell the truth about what was happening to me in my life and what I saw around me. It explained to me that we actually live in the already and the not yet, which allowed me to try things and to reach for things in faith, but it also gave a context and an explanation for failure. And again, it allowed us, it allows us to tell the truth about things. There's no pressure to fake it or to build things up with hype or to say something happened when it didn't happen. You know, things get really weird when we ask people to deny reality. And the teachings of the kingdom, uh, they, they don't want us to live, they don't want us to deny reality. They invite us to live in reality. And our understanding of the kingdom gives us permission to tell the truth about us and what is or isn't going well. And that is a really safe place. Now, the kingdom can be a hard place to live because suffering is real. It's a mystery and we get into conflict with the enemy's kingdom and we're often hard-pressed and dealing with grief and trials that won't be made right until Jesus returns. So it can be a hard place, but it's a safe place because Jesus is with us in it. Sometimes we see breakthrough, oftentimes we see breakthrough, but we get to tell the truth about us and our lives and what's happening. And it does also give us a framework for sometimes it might just not be our fault. What do I mean by that? Well, when we take a risk for the kingdom or step out in faith or even just try and follow Jesus and it doesn't work out very well, it can feel like we didn't do something right, like we didn't have enough faith, or we didn't try hard enough, or pray hard enough, or read our Bible enough, or go into the corner and faith up, and then try and do the amazing things that we think Jesus would do, or the heroes of the faith would do. Sometimes it's just the mystery of the already and the not yet, and creation groans for the consummation of all things when the kingdom comes in fullness with Jesus, when Jesus returns. And sometimes it's just that. Lots of times it's, you didn't fail. I think some of us are caught in this thing, or I tried something for God and it didn't work, and so I must have failed, so I'm not going to ever go again. The gospel of the kingdom allows us to interpret success in light of Jesus and also failure in light of Jesus. And it's a safe place to be where we tell the truth about us and about God and about the world. I want to end with surrender. Jesus' announcement we're going to see in the Gospel of Mark, and we see it in our own lives, in the world today, Jesus' announcement about the kingdom caused disruption and conflict, and it will for us too. God's kingdom coming is often a surprise. It was a surprise uh, in Jesus' day. They expected something else, someone else, and they got Jesus and his announcement of the kingdom. So it's often a surprise, and it's often ignored or resisted. Why? Because it's inconvenient, and it challenges our kingdoms, because we are have to surrender to Jesus' kingdom, the king of the kingdom of God. And we daily have to choose to submit to his rule and reign. And lots of people hear Jesus' announcement of the kingdoms as a threat to their own kingdoms. I certainly know how that feels. Where are we today seeing it as bad news? Where are we seeing it as inconvenient? Where do we want to hold on to our own kingdoms? Where do we need to repent and believe the good news again? Mark is pushing us to consider and make a decision about Jesus, who he is, and how we respond to him and his kingdom. Will we ignore it, or will we respond and come into his kingdom, or remember that the kingdom is our true home, and return to its resources, its truth, and its way by repenting and believing again and again and again. Come into the kingdom of God. Refresh and revive your life in the kingdom of God. It's the best news we could ever hear. It's the best news I could ever give you. I am praying that you experience the presence and power of the kingdom today. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For all the latest information about what's happening in the life of our church, or if you have any questions or comments, head over to BelfastCityVineyard.com.